when we go in and do training, one of the things that I highly encourage the businesses to do is have people at multiple levels involved. Everybody has a unique background and life experience. And if you're the business owner, you've been looking at things from a certain angle and you know where the problems in the business lie, but you're used to looking at them from a certain angle. But that brand new person that you just hired 30 days ago, they're not immersed in that yet. Welcome to the Midland Money Mindset Show. This is a podcast about the financial, money, and recreational mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. Let's dive into today's show. I'm Larry Sprung, your host for the Midland Money Mindset Show and founder and wealth advisor of Midland Financial. Today's guest, Bob Sager, is the founder of Spear Point Solutions. Bob's professional background includes over three decades of experience in sales, leadership, and training. He uses this experience and innovative thinking to develop business strategies that help organizations get unstuck. Bob Sager is the inventor of the creative thinking game, What's the Big Idea? In addition, he has authored a personal achievement book named Discovering Your Greatness and a book of innovative strategies and how to create them called 101 Freaking Brilliant Business Ideas and 10 Ways You Can Create Your Own. Hello, everybody. Larry Sprung here, and I'm here with Bob Sager, founder of Spearpoint Solutions. Thanks for joining us today, Bob. Larry, it's a pleasure to be with you. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you here and to talk to you. You have a lot of experience in your field and in your sphere, if you will. Can you tell us a little bit about your path to starting Spearpoint Solutions? <laughs> yeah, well, you know the, the old Beatles song, It's a Long and Winding Road. <laughs> Isn't it? <laughs> I guess that you know that could be said for a lot of people, but it was a sort of a discovery for me in an earlier iteration of my life. I spent 17 years sort of in your industry, in the financial services industry. I think you're a little higher level than what I did in that industry. But I discovered that both clients that I worked with and reps that I hired and trained in my company would sabotage themselves financially. And hmm. that was the impetus for beginning to study human behavior, what I call the psychology, sociology, and biology of human action and decision-making. And it really was very fascinating to me. And that led to a lot about mindset and mentality and creativity and where does that come from? And like I said, a long and winding road, but a fun adventure nonetheless. So can you give us maybe a 10,000-foot view of what you do and what Spearpoint Solutions is all about? Sure. Yeah. We're involved in two main areas, and that is we teach people creative thinking methods and how to utilize those and more or less how to utilize those to kind of get out of their own way thinking-wise. And we can delve into that a little bit more if you want to. So we teach people to do that. And some people don't necessarily want to learn that. So we think creatively for them and develop cutting-edge business strategies that help companies win bigger now. Right. And I guess kind of dovetail to that, you talk about outthinking the competition. 
outthinking the competition, which I think is key and fits right into what you're talking about, what Spearpoint does. What does that mean exactly, outthinking the competition? Well, for most companies, it's their only option. And what I mean by that is there's only 24 hours in a day, so you can only work so hard, right? So you might try to outwork the competition, but you're limited by the time barrier. You might try to outspend the competition, but unless you have the kind of scale that some massive companies have, that's kind of a losing proposition because ultimately somebody's probably got deeper pockets than you. So why not, as opposed to looking outward, let's look inward and figure out how can we do things differently, better, differentiate ourselves in the hearts and minds of our existing and potential customers. And that really is where the key comes from, that innovative thought. And not only people think of innovation as technology, I'm not even talking about technology. I'm talking about innovation in how you do everything in the process of delivering a product or service. And that's true of both externally and internally. I refer to employees as internal customers. How can you make their life easier and better? The same for your external customer. And so all of those things emanate from the ultimate capital, which is human mindset and imagination. So do you have an example that you can maybe share with our listeners where you've worked with a company that doesn't have these huge deep pockets to outspend or out-innovate financially their competition, but you've helped them work through outthinking the competition and coming out with an idea that really springboarded the company going forward? Yeah, you know, one that comes immediately to mind, I have a client who... He and his brother own a uh, music-related business, and they're a small business. They have uh, very few employees, but one of the things that they were having difficulty with is they were teaching other musicians how to book themselves into gigs and how to book themselves into gigs for more money. And so my primary contact with the company is named Chad, and Chad had written a book about the subject and it was outstanding and they were using that as a lead capture and one of the things that i told chad was i said listen what you need to do is you need to self-publish that book that you have that you're giving away for free and sell it on amazon Mm -hmm. and i said you can still give it away for free right but the fact that it's now for sale and people at least have the potential of buying it on amazon makes that gift that you're giving have more perceived value to the people that are grabbing a copy of it at no charge. That's a pretty simple example, but it's made a huge difference in the amount of people that wanted to buy the book and wanted to download the book. And then the follow-up with those folks after was a completely different conversation. So like I said, that's kind of a simple example. And that was just part of an overall strategy that we developed for their company to integrate some of the different offerings that they had. But I thought that was a fun example. And as an old musician, it sort of resonates with me. Right. And then ultimately, how did that result in business or more opportunities for them? Their amount of people that were enrolling in their paid training program quadrupled. Wow. In fact, I think it's better than quadrupled. And it really, what it all came down to, Larry, was that 
perceived value. Right. And people kind of underestimate that, but the higher perceived value your product or service has, obviously, the more you're going to be able to sell it for, but the more demand is going to be generated for it as well. Sure. Why do you think it's so difficult for business owners and entrepreneurs and really everyone to kind of utilize this outthinking and actually look at their, I guess, their business from the inside out and see what opportunities may exist? Why is this, you mentioned earlier, mindset? This is the Midland Money mindset. Why is it hard to take that mindset and look at the business in that way in order to utilize it for opportunities and benefits? That's an excellent question. And the answer is biology. And I'll expound on that a little bit if you'd like. Absolutely. Yeah. So we are biologically wired as human beings to move everything to a habitual state as quickly as possible. I mean, think about this. You have children. I have children. Watch them when they're learning to tie their shoes. It's a struggle for them, right? Right. As soon as they figure it out, they don't really think about how to tie their shoes anymore. They just tie their shoes. Become second nature. Larry, when's the last time you thought about how to tie your shoes? A very long time ago. Right? Very long. (laughs) And so hopefully it'll be a long time before I think about it again. (laughs) (laughs) And so what happens is, If we have solved a problem in the past, we sort of move the way to solve that problem into our habitual thinking pattern. And we do that with everything that we do. And so when that solution isn't necessarily working too well anymore, we're trying to think about new solutions. And yet it's hard to overcome that biology. Human beings, once they have solved a problem, they go, okay, I did this. I didn't die. That must be the way to go. So it becomes sort of ingrained. You build a neural pathway and that's it. And so one of the things that creative thinking methods do, people get in this circular thinking pattern. I call it driving the circular freeway. And they're going 100 miles an hour, but they're ending up in exactly the same place. And so what creative thinking methods do in the training that we do on those is it helps people take an exit ramp and explore new territory and see things from different angles and different perspectives than they're used to. And it helps them overcome their own biology. Like I said, helps them get out of their own way. Yeah. I mean, don't you also think that the business owner, the entrepreneur, whoever is also, sometimes they're so laser focused that they're looking down that path with blinders on, so to speak, that they're not seeing what's going on to the right, to the left in order to take in the observations that, hey, there might be this other way or this other opportunity. Does that come into play as well? Well, without a doubt. And the other thing, I think people have a tendency to go, well, if it's not broke, don't try to fix it. Right. And yet you've got all these other companies that are vying for the same customer dollars if they are trying to look at it in different ways and and offer different things that you don't or offer them in a different way than you do, then the world doesn't stand still, right? I think it was, uh, his name is escaping me, but there was some famous quote said, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you you just stand still, right? Right. So. That's true. Yeah. And it's really, it's so true. The world, it never stands still. And so, The other thing I think that happens is people get emotionally connected and involved. 
And especially in the case of, of smaller companies, which typically our clients are, are small and typically 100 employees or, or fewer, and they really, really attached to both the solution itself and, and the outcome. And right. so when you're, I think one of the values of having an outside person like me to look at the situation in terms of developing strategy is I'm not emotionally connected to the outcome, right? And mm-hmm. so the value in that is not only can I maybe be a little bit more innovative, but I didn't come up with the original way you're doing it. So it's not emotionally important. It's not like right. my children, right? Right, right. So, you know, that brings up a good point. So how do you help businesses you work with implement this type of process? You know, is it something, if I'm a business, I'm looking for a way to be better faster, smarter, more profitable, whatever those key indicators that we're looking to achieve are, how do you walk the business through that process? Is it you're taking an evaluation, looking at what's going on and saying, you should do this? Or are you taking steps to kind of encourage and incur some type of change on their behalf to actually identify some opportunities? How does that work? Well, it sort of depends on the business and where the problem areas lie. When we go in and do training, one of the things that I highly encourage the businesses to do is have people at multiple levels involved. Everybody has a unique background and life experience. And if you're the business owner, you've been looking at things from a certain angle and Mm -hmm. you know where the problems in the business lie, but you're used to looking at them from a certain angle. But that brand new person that you just hired 30 days ago, they're not immersed in that yet. And they have their own unique background and life experience. So when you give them some simple methods to work with, they can look at it with no preconceived notions. And so what we typically try and do in a, we call the training that we do, we call them creative thinking fun shops. We call them fun shops because they're not work. Right. (laughs) One of the tools that we utilize is I invented a creative thinking game several years ago called What's the Big Idea? And it puts that process, it's a play, right? You're just playing a game, right? And the goal is to come up with as many ideas as possible and then evaluate them and find out which ones are actionable, right? Which ones of these can we implement? Which ones are are the pearls, right? Right. One of the things that I talk about all the time, Larry, is why is it that professional photographers get the best pictures? You know why that is? I believe it's because they take the most shots, right? They take the most photographs, right? They've got some training, probably, right? They've got some talent, probably. But without a doubt, that's why they get the best pictures, because they take the most pictures. It's the same theory as a machine gun, right? more bullets, more hits. So the idea is to, nothing's out of bounds, right? One of the things that we talked about in the beginning of our training fun shops is no idea is a bad idea, right? right. There's, no, Absolutely. there's no, no judgment done there. That's for another time. And so when you've got more to evaluate from, then you can take a more critical look at it and say, okay, which ones of these are the best ideas moving forward? Sure. I did a fun shop back in February at the annual convention for a home inspection company. And invariably, 
you know, I'll ask at the beginning of one of these sessions, how many of you people consider yourself to be creative? And always, Larry, it's 20% or less. So I was going to say it's probably a low percentage usually. Yeah, it's very low because most people do not consider themselves to be creative. And yet we all have that ability. Just in a lot of cases, it's not fostered and encouraged. So by the end, though, of the session, after people you know, have played this game and either by themselves or typically on a team, they've come up with several ideas and they're blown away by both the quantity and the quality of the ideas that they've come up with during the session. And almost everybody thinks that they're creative after that. It it totally changes what they believe about themselves and what they believe is possible for them to do. Right. No, I agree. And I think I would imagine a lot of times, even those first set of creative ideas, a lot of times, if you follow Dan Sullivan, for example, he talks about from strategic coach, he talks about byproducts, you know, byproducts from good ideas. So a lot of times the good idea that you initially have isn't really the way it gets implemented. It's the byproduct of that idea that ends up being the real goal that you end up finding after you start looking at it, evaluating and then seeing how it's going to potentially be implemented into your business. For sure. I mean, look, thoughts are tangential. And one of the values in having a group together and playing the game and coming up with ideas is that this person will have an idea and this person adds something to it, another person adds something else to it, and they just sort of build on it. And working together like that, it's astounding how far you can get with something in a very short amount of time. But like you said, it can be a bridge that leads somewhere completely unexpected. Right. And I mean, out of an event like that, depending, I guess, how many employees or how many people are involved, I'm sure you come away with a lot of potential ideas. How do you then go and start vetting those ideas and narrowing them down and seeing which are the best of the best, so to speak, or which ones are going to be potentially actionable? Is there a process to further narrow that down? Well, that's up to each business. My whole goal and purpose is to get them sort of break inertia. You know, if you've ever seen a train start up from a dead stop, the hardest part of getting that train a thousand miles from here is getting it started rolling. Right. So that's up to them to evaluate what fits and what doesn't. I like to say in the creative thinking fun shops, we sort of come up with the song titles and then it's up to you to kind of write the song and, and do the recording of it. Got it. In the case of developing the strategies, I'm writing the whole song for you, but you still got to go out and perform it, right? Right. And so that's up to you on on how to execute it. I mean, I can consult with people on some of the best ways and maybe connect them with some of the right resources and people that can help them implement it. That's important, but that's up to them to execute. My whole goal is to get them thinking more innovatively. Right, right. And then they can implement it and get them out. You know, you're really there to get them out of the rut of doing the same day to day in and out and show them that there are other options and other opportunities to springboard the uh, business forward. Yeah. And not only that, but some companies will work with not just on a single time basis, but on an ongoing basis. Sure. And what that does is it helps to develop an atmosphere and a culture and an expectation, frankly of innovation. Right. And when I say innovation, 
it's become sort of popularized to conflate technology with innovation. And technology is innovation, at least it can be. But I'm not talking about necessarily quantum leap innovation. It can be what I refer to as everyday innovations. How can we figure out how to do things 1% better this month? Mm-hmm. Right? Now, 1% sounds like nothing. And yet, over time, if you improve 1% a month over the course of a couple or three years or five years, that's huge. Right? The compounding effect is enormous. Atomic habits, right? Well, I don't know. I've never read that book, but it talks a lot about that 1% and just adding that 1% and consistently trying to work towards instead of trying to reinvent the wheel, just add that 1%, slowly chip away and add that. And over time, it significantly adds up to a large amount effectively. Yeah. That was like the premise of the book, if you will. Yeah. And look, periodically, you may come up with a quantum leap innovation. If you get used to thinking in new ways and creative ways and continually looking at things differently, you might come up with a quantum leap innovation. But even if you never do, if you're just consistent on always finding that next layer, I won't even call it a next level, it's the next layer, that adds up like you talked about with that book, which I'll probably have to read now. Yeah, there you go. I I would highly (laughs) recommend it. I also think that involving your employees and your staff and other stakeholders in the company is huge also because you're now giving them a sense that they're a part of the greater good of the organization, that they're just not there punching a time clock, putting in a nine to five job. You want to hear what their ideas are and possibly they come up with a gem of innovation for the company as well. Yeah. And we haven't rolled it out yet, Larry, but we're working on something that is going to help facilitate that for companies where we're going to have a recognition and reward program to help facilitate that where they don't have to do it all internally. Right. And we'll involve anybody essentially who wants to be involved. And if you can do that, look, I think everybody deep down, they want to do their best. They want to be their best and they want to feel like they belong. Mm -hmm. And when you do that, if you can reduce your turnover rate, even 10%, maybe even 5%, depending on the size of your company, the amount of both dollar savings and pain and aggravation savings are huge. Absolutely. I think it's one of the maybe hidden benefits to this is when you are involving people at all kinds of different levels in this process, then you give them a sense of belonging and you give them a sense of purpose and and you give them maybe a chance to add some value to the company that they're not currently getting to do. I agree. And we'll stay tuned for that new business line for you. And what I want to do is now transition into something new that you are talking about that is out there, which is I hear you're launching a new game show. And maybe you could tell us what's the name and what's it all about? Yeah, that's based on the creative thinking game that I invented that we use as a tool in our, in our workshops. But frankly, it's just kind of a fun game to play. It's called What's the Big Idea? You know, I started learning about creative thinking a bunch of years ago now. It's 12, 13 years ago. And I was fascinated. I alluded earlier in this conversation to the fact that a lot of people don't view themselves as being creative. Right. I at one time didn't either. And I, I'm kind of astounded by that now, Larry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like, 
how did you ever think that? But there are a lot of reasons behind that that we don't really have time to get into here. But when I discovered a creative thinking method that I learned later was both Da Vinci and Einstein's favorite creative thinking method called combinatory play, I was so blown away by it. And I said, this is so cool that if everybody else experienced had had the same experience with it, that sort of snapped me out of my mindset of not being creative. It could be really amazing. Can you give us an example of what that means? You said combinatory play? Absolutely. Yeah. Give us an example. What does that mean? Yeah. As a way of uh, background, I have to explain that people don't think in words, they think in pictures. So if I say the word dog, you're not thinking of the images of the letters D, O, and G. You're thinking of the picture of a dog, right? And Mm -hmm. if I say the word kitchen, you're thinking of a kitchen, right? An image of a kitchen pops up. Now, if I say the words dog and kitchen together, if I combine those and I give you a direction in which to think, and I say, Larry, combine dog and kitchen and come up with an idea for a new product, a new service, or a new business. And all of a sudden, your creative imagination goes to work on that and starts generating possibilities, right? And that begins to really activate that creative, imaginative capacity that everybody's born with, but most people haven't used since they were about five years old. Hmm. And the way the game works is... And in the regular game, uh, the game shows right. a little bit different. For the regular game, you have three teams. You've got the inventor team, the competitor team, and the customer team. And the inventor team and the competitor team get a set of words, and they get 10 words typically. There's some nuances. But they use those. They combine any two of those words and come up with an idea for a new product, new service, or new business. And they get three minutes to do it, (laughs) right? That's not a lot of time. Not a lot of time. Right. And then at the end of three minutes, each one of those teams takes and presents to the customer team what it is, how it works, and what the benefits are. And then the customer team gets to decide which idea do I like better. Wow. And so on the game show, the contestants on the show, they're working with the same set of words and they have three minutes concurrently. And then they're presenting their ideas the same way as I just described. But instead of a customer team, we have a panel of three judges and the judges decide which idea do I like better. We play three rounds and then the winner, there's points assigned to each round. And then the winner of those three rounds at the end of the show, they get to play what's what we call the light bulb round. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) And the light bulb round, you maybe have to tune in and check out the show. The light bulb round, they get 10 words and they've got to combine any two of them to come up with an idea in each one of five categories. So it's it's pretty tough, but it's a lot of fun. And I I think people are going to have a lot of fun watching it. And how are you finding contestants for the show? Well, my wife said to me once upon a time, you know an awful lot of people. They're <laughs> 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 like, who do you know who's in this business? And so you know, I guess you get to be my age, Larry, in my late 50s, and you just know a lot of people. And that's how we found them to this point. Now, that's after great. the show launches, we'll have an application process. And so people won't necessarily have to know me directly. But initially, that's how we found our initial uh, bank of contestants. That's great. And what are you looking to get out of the show? What's the end game for you and for SpearPoint? What are you looking to achieve? Well, two things. One is our company is the primary sponsor, especially the Strategies by Subscription program that we launched earlier this year is the main sponsor of it. 
But frankly, it's entertaining. It's different than sort of the formulaic game shows that are out there. And I know several people that are in production in the TV industry. And that's ultimately where I want it is to be on a network somewhere. It's sort of business oriented. So I think it could be on a lot of different networks, but could be just on the game show network as well. So uh, there's right. That's a lot of possibilities and some I see and maybe even some I don't see. But yeah, Larry. I might end up seeing you one on one of the financial stations when I'm flipping channels soon, I guess. <laughs> I think it could be. I think well, I'm a total business nerd, as we talked about before. And uh, the show The Profit is on CNBC. I think it right. could very easily be on that network. Awesome. Well, we'll keep our eyes out for it. Well, Bob, we end every show with asking every guest the same question. I've enjoyed my time talking with you. And now it's time to get the mindset of Bob Sager on the show and find out what did you do today that brought you joy and put you in the right mindset for success? Yeah, I love that question, Larry. Thank you. Yeah, because I do this daily. And this isn't necessarily something that adds value to somebody else. But I always think about what do I have in my life to be grateful for? And so, you know, I spend some time doing that and it it really helps to kind of recenter me and get me back out of my own way. We all get those moments where um, I don't know whether you have self-doubt or just why isn't this working or whatever. But when you focus on what you do have to be grateful for, that sort of is like a light in the darkness. So, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, the old saying, the darkness flees when the light appears. And that's the light in my life is focusing on what I do have to be grateful for. That's awesome, Bob. I appreciate that. I appreciate you. And I thank you for taking out the time for being on the Midland Money Mindset. And it's always a pleasure speaking with you and make it a great day. Thanks, Larry. I want to thank Bob Sager for being a guest on the Midland Money Mindset Show. Bob has successfully used his vast experience to help companies get unstuck and take them to the next level. We often hear about thinking outside the box, and that is exactly what Bob helps his clients to do. You can find Bob on virtually every social media platform or on his website at spearpointonline.com. And be sure to check out his new creative thinking game, What's the Big Idea? Thank you for joining us this week on the Midland Money Mindset. Make sure you visit our website at midlandfinancial.com and be sure to smash the subscribe button so you don't miss a show. We encourage you to help others find our valuable content. And listen, please don't keep us a secret. You can also schedule an Is There a Fit call right from our website or by using the link that you'll find in the description section of your podcast player or app. Be sure to join us for our next episode to learn more about the mindset needed to successfully plan for and live your best life before and through retirement. The opinions voiced in the Midland Money Mindset Show with Lawrence Sprung are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. All indices are unmanaged and may not be invested into directly. Investing involves risk, including possible loss of principal. No strategy ensures success or protects against loss.
To determine what may be appropriate for you, consult with your attorney, accountant, financial, or tax advisor prior to investing. Investment advisory services offered through CWM LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Guests on the Midland Money Mindset Show are not affiliated with CWM LLC.